0: What happens when two dudes, one, a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other, a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives, deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. We filter all of our conversations through the man box, where we unpack how as men we are expected to act in society, how fighting the authentic human experience is exhausting and damaging, and how mindfulness can help. Now, onto the show.
1: All right, here we are. Before we even get started, Will, show us that shirt, brother.
2: Oh, (laughs) that's right. Okay, I got to make sure uh, I can see it. Look at his shirt. Here is Men Talking Mindfulness first gear, right? That's right. My cousin made this Men Talking Mindfulness logo. You know, it's John. Um, I I wore this uh, the last couple of days. People are saying, what is MTM? Which is what I told we wanted, you, man. right? And wanted. people are saying what well, I think is I kind of like. They're like, "Is that men talking men?" I'm like, "That's actually really cool. But men talking mindfulness, right?" But look at the back. I think the back is really cool, right? um raw, raw uncut, uncut, unapologetic. un-apologetic <laughs> you know. So yeah, so we got some merch coming on, everybody. Uh, we're gonna open up a store probably in August for uh, yeah. We're we'll working out those details and. Uh, so, I don't know. We have merch, John. This is amazing. That's Thanks crazy. for bringing that up crazy. because it's, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm wearing it. I feel so proud. Actually, the cotton is really good. I like the cotton, the feel of the shirt, too. So um i'm excited to get them out there for our audience so thanks for nice. bringing that up it's amazing
1: yeah well this is uh this is actually one of our pre-recorded episodes we're recording just because again we'll maybe may or may not be leaving the country and we want to make yeah. sure that we have good connectivity so we're recording this here on what is today the 12th of uh, july it's going to air on the 30th and we've got special guest here dr seth Hickerson, which we'll make sure that we refer to him as Dr. Seth Hickerson through the entire show. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Seth is a Seth is a good friend of both Will and me, and I'll just read his bio, and then we're going to bring him up on stage and get into the regular show. Um, so, Dr. Seth Hickerson is an innovative educator, coach, entrepreneur, and multi-branch military veteran. Multi-branch. Thank you for your service, Seth. Seth has been training high-performing individuals such as professional athletes. Navy SEALs and business executives for at least, or for the last fifteen years, Doctor Hickerson is an expert in the implementation of mindfulness, emotional intelligence, cognitive fitness, and resiliency training. Seth is dedicated to providing access to practical tools, tips, and techniques that enhance self and situational awareness, reduce stress, and improve performance. And we are going to be talking about that cognitive fitness or mental fitness here today. Welcome, Seth. Welcome to the show, brother.
3: Thanks for having me. And uh, the first thing I like to tell people after they hear that bio is to lower their expectations. <laughs> Real quickly, let's just take a breath and and lower our expectations.
1: <laughs> well, hey, you got you got me and Will here, so yeah, you know, uh, we're, like we're all uncut, unapologetic. And I know. You saw the few first few episodes of this show before we ever turned it into a podcast. It was just Instagram live. Yeah. It was a uh, it was about. Uh, As rookie as you get, but we also had a lot of fun, and we've come a long way. And uh, we love having you here on the show, man. Yeah, I
3: love I love watching what you guys are doing, and and, you know, as many men as we can get out there and women talking about mindfulness, the better. And so, you know, as a failed podcast person myself, to see the the (laughs) interaction you guys are having, uh, it's admirable because I know the time and the work and the commitment. So, kudos to you for doing what you're doing and seeing uh, the numbers um, go up. And I'm grateful to be a part of this season. So. One thing I want to do on when, um, the shirt, right? I love the shirt. I'm going to get one. I'm sure, right? Men talk, and then on the back, raw, uncut, unapologetic. And I don't know if it's a weird military thing, but the way my mind works when I see letters or words is I always try to formulate like things out of it. And so the raw, uncut, unapologetic, in my mind, I instantly saw the three letters, and it said R U U. Oh a- man.
4: That's a good question. Oh, word. shit. My mind
1: just, okay, well, thanks for the Whoa. show, man. I think that's yeah, really uh, all we needed from of here. So, <laughs>
3: yeah, I did. Yeah, like, that's a great question. Like that is awesome. R U U. So.
2: Are you you exactly? That's thanks. Oh, see, you know, like I, I, I admire your humility, Dr. Seth. Every time I talk to you, I always have some sort of enlightenment, something just, you know, something you know, I mean, special that comes through. Yeah. The,
3: the fastest way to spiritual enlightenment, right here. You just got it. <laughs> <laughs> 10 <laughs> you know,
2: seconds, humble and arrogant. Like
3: you're talking about <laughs> yin yeah. yang. Amazing, yin and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I have to do a lot of detaching or try to detach,
4: but anyway, thanks
3: for having me.
1: Yeah. Again, happy to have you, brother. Uh, super excited about this episode. And uh, Seth and I actually work together with uh, My City Mind, and and uh, we coach with one another. And super excited about the work that we are doing together. And obviously, again very excited to have you here on the show. For those who may not have ever tuned into one of our episodes before, this is Men Talking Mindfulness. I'm John McCaskill, uh, out here in Colorado Springs, retired Navy SEAL commander, my brother from another mother, Will Schneider, out there, normally in New York City, currently in Pennsylvania at his, at his parents' house, the house he grew up in. Will, yeah. great to see you again, brother, as always. How are you doing, man?
2: I'm good. I, uh, I, have a, I have a new best friend, my mom's cat. <laughs> usually this cat He this cat hisses at me scratches me and this is the only time I've ever been scared to my bones with this cat like talks like <laughs> demon voices and now it's the cat I'm the cat's best friend uh, nice. and it's, I'm sneezing because of it but it's good um, it's good to be back John it's Dr. Seth Hickerson appreciate you here today uh, you know it's, uh, it's uh, my mom is getting better Uh, For all of those that are concerned and worried, she'll be out of the hospital by the time this podcast airs. But uh, it's a real, it's a good, I was talking to John before the show, good moment of mindfulness, uh, uh, just being more present for my mom and my dad. And like, and like now I'm kind of taking care of them. My dad's 82, my mom is 76. So cooking for my dad, we're going grocery shopping together. We might go a little golfing later. Um, And it's, I, I said to John earlier how, you know when your family and your loved ones you know like really like the, the family family when they need you you just go there's like no hesitation you just show up and like i spent just hours with my mom or an hour and a half in the hospital yesterday just talking to my mom she was giving me the business because i'm like uh, you know i'm the guy who's helping my dad and my two brothers and the rest of the family. So i'm like the point person i guess but um yeah so it's good to be back i'm really excited to talk about mental fitness and and every time like i said earlier Seth, every time we talk you know i, I just i learned something I actually and i feel more of my heart and i feel i'm okay where i am on a mindfulness path so thank you for bringing those that awareness to me and uh, thank you for all the work you're bringing to the world
3: yeah my pleasure i mean it's all part of my own recovery right So my my you know helping others helps me and it's you know we're in this together you know, that's a lot very of the things, especially men. We think we're alone. Right. And uh, especially coming off a, a pandemic. I mean, everybody's minds out there are not very steady, you know, and that's what we're trying to help people is come up with some, you know, practical tools to help you navigate the daily stressors of life, you know? Right. Um, and so it's, it's been awesome. in And, yeah, Ron, and the, the things we've been able to witness with people we're coaching and mentoring, it's, um, it's powerful. So,
2: yeah. thank you well yeah so why don't we actually uh you know we we kick off the show with a mindfulness practice so uh and and we're just gonna actually give you both dr seth like why don't you uh teach us one of these practical tools now that we can do in like three or four minutes um as a way to kind of launch into you know more of your work into the show and and deeper into mental fitness
3: yeah well, one of the first breathing techniques that we introduce in our training is called the BAMO breath. And I think you may have mentioned it before to your your viewers, but I'll expand a little bit on what it is and how it works and what we're trying to do. And we'll talk probably more about that as we get into the episode. But um, BAMO, again, being a military guy that speaks in acronyms, means breathe and move on, you know, and when we're doing you know, mental fitness training, it's all about having different reminders, internal cues, external cues to help us remember what we're trying to do. And so we try to have some fun language at My Steady Mind, And the first one we we use is BAMO. And BAMO is really the most basic breath you can take that flips the switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system. There's a a bunch of different breathing techniques out there. And ultimately, all the breathing techniques we're doing are designed to help us When we're in that sympathetic state, you know, anxious, worried, fight, flight, or freeze, we need to, with the athletes and people I train, we call it flipping the switch. So you flip the switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic. The parasympathetic is a parachute that calms you down. And it might just be that split second that I need depending on what's going on. And so if you can thank BAMO or remember BAMO, or if you're around somebody else that needs it, you yell BAMO, (laughs) and they know that means to breathe and move on, and then they take what the BAMO breath is, a four second inhalation through the nose and a four second exhalation through the mouth. No pausing, just four seconds in through the nose and we'll do one. You wanna make sure you get down into the diaphragm because you have to activate the diaphragm to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Nice. So that's why you have to get down there and hit that. You know. Um, and then ultimately what, what, what I do and we'll talk more about is when you approach this as training, you know, and you're doing these things that we teach, you're conditioning your 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 mind and your nervous system to automate the process.
2: Mm. So that, well, Okay, right. Because as you keep doing it, you becomes like, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's first. Like weightlifting,
3: right? We're, we're lifting and we're exercising to build, cog- or, you know, physical endurance and physical, physical capacity. You're doing the training that we do, mental fitness training, cognitive fitness training to build cognitive endurance and cognitive capacity. No different. And so... Excellent. That's what the, we'll do. The Bamo breath, and I can expand on um, that as we talk about other things. But we'll just get comfortable, and I'll, I'll do one. I'll count it out, and then we'll let you and your listeners do two more on their own. And when I have people do the Bamo breathing, some people may be stressed out there right now. Some people may not be. But when you do it, pay attention to how you feel on the inhalation, because when you're when you're breathing in, you're activating your sympathetic. That's the alert phase. So just see how your body feels. And then when you exhale, see how your body feels when you breathe, when you, when you blow out the air, because that's the, you're going to feel like a little cool, that's your parasympathetic activating. So just pay attention to how you feel when you do it. All right. Excellent. We'll sit down and close your eyes. Get comfortable and I'll count us through one in through the nose. You can put your hand on your belly, really feel that stomach expand. And then when you exhale, I should hear it, you know, so inhale, go inhale, one, Two, three, four, exhale. One, two, yeah, open that mouth. Three, four, there you go. Do two more on your own. Pay attention to how it feels.
5: Very good. How do you feel better?
2: Feel all right? I feel more grounded. Yeah. I feel more grounded. I'm more present. Uh, yeah, definitely more relaxed. And uh, I, mean, I got to be honest. I did. Uh, I, t- I saw my mom yesterday and you know, she had a ton of visitors yesterday and I was the last one uh, to see her before I got kicked out for the, you know, visiting hours over. And she's like, I'm a little stressed. I'm stressed. I mean, and uh, so we actually did a uh, 4-4 breath for like five rounds and she started to fall asleep. hmm you know, I mean, so I just really got to relax. And I was like, I'm sitting there. I was like, oh, my God, my mom's sleeping. And then I moved and her fell, her phone fell on the floor. And she woke up. I was like, what? <laughs> and right. I mean, so, you know, right. but she was out. You know, she was like, that's, it's a really great way, again, to get into that parasympathetic nervous system and calm your ass down. Right. Literally. I mean, right. right. And I think it's a good time to get before you go into a big meeting, before you get on a phone call, before, <laughs> like anytime before you go to bed.
3: Right. And that's, know, or, that's yeah, the... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, in the calendar that, you know, the counting again, one, two, three, you can't count and think about the stuff that's been stressing you out. So it, it brings you internal, you know, you're activating the two things. And we'll talk about this, especially the ultimate goal from a high performance standpoint, which is what me as a sports psychology guy, it's all about is, you know, controlling the two things that control everything. Your thoughts, which control your mind, your breath controls your nervous system. You know, and most people yes. in our society have no awareness or control, or control over either. So they're at the mercy of both. And that's what it comes down to. And we'll talk ultimately the thing that we're through mental fitness training, especially what we're trying to help people master is energy, you know, and that's, right. that's a big disconnect, right? Like everybody in our world's exhausted, fatigued, burnout, tired, and mostly because they don't understand the concept of mental energy.
4: Well, let's, let's get into that. Yeah,
1: go ahead. Let's let's get into that. But first, I you know I want to kind of lay the foundation as far as you know why the hell should our listeners be listening to you? <laughs> yeah, right. Because
4: I'm
3: learning with you guys. I thought,
2: I thought, I thought, there you go. That's, well, that's being on your show. Okay. Well, you know, we, we, John John was saying like why should we listen to you? And you know, I, we talked that we you know we, we're becoming closer friends, Seth, and I really appreciate you telling your story of like a self-proclaimed fuck up. So highly oh, yeah. educated doctor and like <laughs> high performance coach. Uh, so like yeah, yeah. you know, it give us your journey yet. into. Yeah. <laughs> it give didn't us your happen overnight. Yeah, of course. Well, I yeah. mean that it never does. So no, if you want yeah. to share some of that with us, it would be amazing. So yeah, geez. absolutely.
3: And I'm still a work in progress, as we all are. So um, yeah, a bit about me and my background. So I'm a small town boy from Southern Indiana, town in Southern Indiana, Bedford. You know, about twenty thousand people. So shout out to all your Bedford, Indiana listeners. Um, but so growing up, I was a real, I tell everybody I was a really good athlete, but I was a shithead kid.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and that's,
3: that was it. You know, I mean, I, from the time I was three, you know, my dad coached all my sports, but from the time I was three until ultimately 18, it was every football, basketball, baseball year round, all three. And so I played football, basketball, baseball, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school. And um, I was that kid, you know, that could show up to a baseball game hungover and high and go three for four with two home runs and five RBIs. Right. Jeez.
5: So
3: I did, I had a ton of talent, but I was off the field. All I cared about was, you know, chasing women, smoking weed, drinking. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so I, I showed up kind of in high school. All my family were educators too. And so I'm an, I'm an educator also, but
0: you know, I, I got out
3: of, Because of who my parents knew I could get away with anything in my little small town, you know, DUIs and stuff. I mean, I just was, you know, damn it, Hickerson, like go home, you know. And so I didn't learn many kind of lessons with some of the stupid shit I was doing. Um, And I'll get to where I kind of learned the ultimate lesson. But, you know, I uh, when it came to managing my emotions, the only tool I had was alcohol. You know, I drank when I was happy, sad, scared, whatever. That was just what I did. Nobody was teaching me. And we'll talk about why nobody in our country knows how to manage emotions from our school system later on. But in small town Bedford, Indiana, you know, that wasn't happening. Um, and so I just, uh, I came to my high school like my freshman year and I asked my counselor, what's the minimum GPA to be eligible for sports?
5: <laughs> and wow. she was like, it was actually was a friend your question. Of
3: my, yeah, yeah. And it was a friend of my mom's. And she was like, well, damn it, Seth. Like, <laughs> it's 2.0. And so I was like, cool. <laughs> that's what you're going to get for the next four years. Right. And, and that's basically what I did, you know, and I was, you know, it was kind of that gift and that curse, like school wasn't hard to me. You know, I was the kid that could make a 30 on a test, a 50, a 60, not show up. And then the teacher would be like, Hey dude, you need to make a 93 or you don't pass the class. And I could show up and make a 95, you know? And, and so that's just, you know, I, I maintained a 2.0, which is harder than maintaining a 4.0 to maintain the 2.0, you know, like, and, yeah. And uh, well, with
2: the girls and the sports, and the I, had games, and do, like, I, I had other shit showing. to do, man. I had
3: other shit to do. That was, you know, the only way I was going to college was to have a full ride baseball scholarship. If I didn't get drafted out of high school, that was what was in my mind. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just went to high school and, you know, I did my thing. I played sports, I partied. And then I thought, you know, my whole identity from literally, Three or four up until 18 was an athlete. That's what people knew me as. That's what the paper told me as. That's what my stats said. And I was a really good athlete. And ultimately, I was getting baseball. Baseball was my best score. And I was getting some baseball scholarship opportunities. Um, but because of the way I was, you know, basically my, my coach was like, yeah, you don't have partial scholarship opportunities at best. But in my mind, I thought it was fucking leaf, you know. And uh, so I basically drank away and lost my scholarship opportunities. So then I graduated high school with a 2.0 and no plan B, you know, nothing. And so that was the first time I lost my identity. You know, I, all I'd ever known was that, and now it's gone and I don't have any, there's no more sports to be played. There's no scholarship. There's, I didn't get drafted. There's nothing right. And so that happens a lot, you know, in our schools. And kids, we don't teach kids about identity and identity loss, you know, which we'll speak about too, as we get my doctorates in educational leadership. So I can really get on that soapbox with you. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't teach it. So we're not prepared for it. Like I wasn't. And so I just blend to that downward spiral, right. More drinking, more drugs, more partying, um, you know, taking little bullshit jobs, you know, like renting wave runners out for, you know, I'd had no direction. And, uh, Nobody was there to really bail me out. You know, I was on my own and lost and depressed and anxious and suicidal and you name it. How'd you turn it and around, so, man? Uh, the good old U S Navy. There you go. So You know, who you are, right, baby. You know, so I fell into that, uh, that pity party for about a year. Some people get in that pity party and that's just where they go. Right. That's, that's the, the rest of their life, the rest of their life. And I saw, you know, I think it's because, you know, I had, did have good parents. They were about education. You know, I understood as an athlete kind of like I wasn't like a complete piece of shit, you know, at least I knew how to kind of like work out and stuff. But, you know, I fell into that pity party for about eight months. And then I said, it. all right, you know, I got to do something. And, you know, college isn't an option. There's no real good job opportunities here. So I joined the Navy and uh, I joined the Navy and um, was with the CBs. John probably knows what the CBs are. You know, combat construction battalion and things like that. And um, my first duty station actually was with the Fleet Aviation Specialized Operations Training Group Pacific Fleet Detachment at Suginami, Japan Faso Trade Group. Now I'm speaking John's language, <laughs> but it was in like Tokyo. Wood, you just say? Yeah. So, no, my first duty station when I got out of you know I'm from Southern Indiana slash Hot Springs, Arkansas. Did my thing. You know, went to Great Lakes for boot camp went to Meridian, Mississippi for my, my A school training. When was then, this, Seth? Back in the 40s.
4: No,
3: no, this was 19. So I graduated high school in 94, 1994. And then this was like right around December of 94. So I, you gotcha. know, right six or eight months after I graduated. Um, and the first duty station I had as a little 18-year-old Southern boy Navy guy was Tokyo, Japan. So I got, uh, I, yeah, and this is where a lot of my training is influenced by, I was stationed in, in Atsugi Naval Air Facility at Sugi, Japan, uh, for two and a half years. And so I got uh, thrown, you know, I, I'll say thrown out of this country because I think they were trying to get me as far away. I joined <laughs> with a, I joined with a buddy of mine on the buddy program. Yeah. Yeah, and they told us, you're going to get boot camp together, you're going to get A school together, and you're going to get your first duty station together. And we're like, awesome, awesome. But the I shit bet we're Uh, Yeah. So we got boot camp together. We got a school together. And they're like, we got to get you fuckers as far apart as possible. So they sent me to Tokyo and him to Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like Literally as far apart. They're like, you guys are done. You you go elsewhere. And so. um, But yeah, so I went to Tokyo, you know, and um, I'll pause there if you have any questions. And that's where I really started to kind of get, you know, some insight on the world's different, you know. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the one question I have is when you are out in Tokyo and you are seeing that insight that the world is different.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: What inspired you to not take that same kind of screw up route that you had in high school? Like, OK, now you've joined the Navy. Yeah. And and I still
3: I still took that route. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah. yeah, The screwing up didn't start till after it didn't stop until after the Navy.
4: <laughs> okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> but I learned while I was in the Navy, some just really stuff kind of by proxy, right? Like I didn't go in to the Navy to become a, a mindfulness guru, you know, Yeah. I was right. going in just to figure something out and, and not be a piece of shit and try to get my life somewhat squared away and get some money for college. And that's what I went in for. Right. Um, right. And so, but anyway, I was over there and now, I mean, this was also like, I was a partier, right? I like to party. I like to get down. Um, now I live in Tokyo, Japan at 18,
5: <laughs> not a good combo,
3: wow. no drinking age. Right. So I never had to be 21. I never had to do that. I went to, you know, I lived on base and they would compensate, you know, on base because the cost of Tokyo uh, living was so high. You could go get like a case of Corona for like nine bucks at 18 legally. So, wow, yeah, the, the, the enlightenment didn't start there. <laughs> in one way, in one way, what was happening as I was doing my time over at Tokyo, um, kind of the first awareness I had was, you know, you know, you have to build up leave right in the Navy so you can take time off, and so you have to, you know, twelve months accumulates thirty days, and so I wanted to get thirty days leave to come back home, and so I stayed in Tokyo and worked and did my thing, and I was out. I mean, I was in Tokyo. I was getting around Tokyo, partying. I was mixing in England and uh, really living it up, but. Um, The first kind of aha thing I had was when I took my first 30 days leave and I came back, I was going to take two weeks in Bedford, Indiana and two weeks in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Those are my kind of hometowns, both similar small town, you know, 20, 30,000 people. And so I left Tokyo and came back to the States and I was in, uh, I think went to Hot Springs, Arkansas first. And I was there for about, you know, partying and having fun. But after about a week of there, I was like, man, why is it so loud and noisy? And everybody's just irritated and stressed out and pissed off here. I just felt that, you know, and I was like, there's 20,000 people in my town and it's just irritating and loud and noisy. There's 13 million in Tokyo and it's peaceful. Yeah. You know, that was my first, like what? And I was, cause I was, I was just reflecting on that, you know, and some bout of sobriety that I had, but I was like, and then I went to Bedford, same thing, right? I'm in this, you know, 30,000 people and I'm hanging out with my friends, but everybody's just irritated, agitated, wow. short tempered, yeah. just wah, wah, wah. It's just this, like, it yeah. felt like yeah. it sticking to me, right? And I was like, man, I want to get back to Japan. Wow. It's peaceful, you know? Wow. Yeah. And I was ready and I went back. And then when I went back after that visit, I started saying, okay, what's different over here? Like, why is it this way? Mm. And that's when I started learning about you know Buddhism and mindfulness and meditation and kind of the Zen life that they live over there. Right. Um, and I was just like, okay, let me try some of this, right? And I, you know, was doing some half-ass meditation. I was getting massages, going to temples. I was, you know, just trying to kind of do it. Um, but that was one of the most profound moments I had in my
2: my life. Was you know. Cool. Go ahead. No, no. I love that. I um, mean, cause like knowing peace, right. I mean, that was yeah. the difference. Like you're still like the same, you know, party person, this and that, but go like getting out of your element, right. Getting out of your, you know, your typical roots and your typical routines, right. And then taking yourself to a completely different culture that really centers itself around community and peaceful practices. And then like, you know, but feeling that it's not a mental thing. It's like knowing that on, mm. on a deeper, like in my bones level, Right, Uh, and then like, and then like, because we're hardwired for that, right? I mean, this this peacefulness, this this stillness, and then it's like, and then wanting to go back, like almost, Mm -hmm. it sounds like it was just kind of like a, like a natural, intuitive inclination to go back to get to no peace. So I just want to mention that in there because we have, and I think for anyone that's listening that's been kind of doing the same rat race all the time, you know, what can you do? Even for, you know, for even like a a few weeks or definitely a longer amount of time, like taking yourself to a peaceful place. Right. uh, And then getting to just to experience peace and then getting to know peace later on. So thank you for mentioning that's a really great. Yeah. um, And I love the
3: distinction of what you made there. Right. Because I didn't know anything and I wasn't trying to know anything. I just felt something. There you go. Exactly. And and when I talk and I train and I help people because, you know, a lot of in the north here, you know, especially in America, like people like if I'm going to get into mindfulness, like I've got to be a master. I've got to perfect it. I've got to be before I'll feel or get the benefits. I know, (laughs) but that's the mindset, right? They're just, first, they don't know what the hell it is. But then if they're like, well, if I'm going to try it, if I'm not an expert in three days, then the shit doesn't work. Right. That's (laughs) like the American mindset. And so. Right mindfulness practice and this stuff it's all about you know managing emotion and how you feel you know and and that peace and that stillness which is so foreign to our country yeah. you know and and that was you know i remember when i first went over there the first kind of like meditation i tried you know i was like i'm gonna go sit down and i i didn't know what i was doing i saw people sitting in meditation pose at like a temple you know it was a public like that's what's cool about tokyo is they have these temples and shrines like in the city you know you don't have to go off to some far off commune and and uh, i had no clue what i was doing i just sat in the position they were in crossed my legs kind of shut my eyes i kind of kept one eye open looking around at people like thinking something was supposed to happen you know i mean nobody was guiding it i was just sitting there and there was probably 10 or 15 people and all of a sudden like i just started to feel something wow like energetically and i just was like in my you know so that's when i was like okay i don't know what the fuck just happened i don't know what that was but i felt it felt good because I, I didn't feel great all the time i was hung over working all the time in the military stressed anxious you name it you know mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. to get that little and you were what little, 19 19 19 yeah 19 stressed,
1: anxious I mean, <laughs> yeah that's just, and that's but, where we are i mean that's that's we, that's where we were a, back then yeah uh in 94 95 yeah. right and, and where we are today is, I would say, even worse. I would, way 19-year-olds 19, 19 are stressed worse. to a level that they've never been. I mean, yeah. I've got my 19-year-old niece living with me, and I know she's yeah. stressed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. connected to social media, connected to everything it's constantly.
3: I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, everything that exactly. we talk about, right? There's yeah. a neurological process that we talk about, right, that's from a mental skills training. What you're teaching people or training people to do, is proactively and intentionally facilitate the process of neuroplasticity. Right. And yes. The, and so everything in a human being's life is contingent on basically their perception of stimulus. Well, we it's yeah. the most stimulating, techni- you know, most stimulating yeah. world ever. And most of it's designed to be negative to influence that steer process because they want your action. Like John knows what I'm talking about here. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we're unprepared because our school systems don't prepare for for that
2: well i think you know uh you mentioned well i think you know before uh, like to get into that neuroplasticity why don't we take a little bit of a travel through you know you mentioned energy and emotional and you know emotions And yeah. it's like you know we yeah. mentioned many times in the show about EQ, like uh, you know emotional intelligence and emotional literacy you know and uh you know why why is that so important like what is it about yeah. our emotional life that uh that that you know, like, yeah, so please just talk on that for a moment. Yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of finish
3: my journey that's got me to kind yeah. of where I'm oh. at
2: right now. And it'll give you some
3: things to help kind of see right. where some of this stuff. So, you know, so I did the Navy thing. And then after I uh, left um, Japan, my next duty station was the coast of Spain, Rota, Spain. So I don't know, John, if you've been to Rota or not. but
1: I haven't, but I know it's beautiful.
3: It's Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. you talk about like, I mean, there's, you know, sailors that were like, how the hell do you get – at Sugi, Japan, and road to Spain, and Southern California with the Seabees down in Port Wainimi. So I mean, like the five years I was in is like the golden five years that most sailors dream to get upon retirement. Wow. So I was for whatever reason, I was pretty blessed with my my duty stations, you know. Um, and so yeah, I went from Tokyo to the coast of Spain, which again, right, another totally different culture that's about you know siestas and slow down. And so I lived in Europe and Asia. So I just had a really cool worldview, and when I got to Spain, I was a little more in tune with kind of, you know, that lifestyle of being, you know, relaxed or knowing how to relax, and um, drank a shitload of sangria, still partying. (laughs)
5: But
3: but I had—I don't. What I remember about road to Spain was great. What I remember about the '90s was great. The whole great. From my freshman year of high school till 99 when I got out of the Navy. So, yeah, there's thank God we didn't have cell phones back then because I'd probably be in some like Guatemalan brig or something. But, <laughs> yeah, there are many embarrassing so, pictures yeah, out there. Yeah. I'm sure so, so. <laughs> so, anyway, got out of the Navy, you know, and I was like, okay, I, w- I always wanted to, t- to teach and coach. So, this kind of gets my where we're at now. So, I, I got out of the Navy, came back to Indiana, um, went to rehab. So, that was a good first wow. step. Yeah. Yeah. I volunteered. Voluntarily.
1: It. Oh yeah. Cause I wow. was just
3: like, I got out of the Navy, dude. I was crushing like a case a day, you know? Wow. I mean, I was drinking hard and heavy. I mean, you know, um, wasn't like getting in trouble, but mostly because I was getting away with shit, but was just yeah. drinking. You know, I was like, you know, I could, I just get up in the morning take a couple beers in the shower with me. Like I just always had beer with me. I was always drinking. Wow. Um, and, and that went for about six or seven months. I had a little money that I'd saved getting out of the Navy. So, you know, as far as I knew, I had like 20 grand and I thought it was 200 grand and I was just going <laughs> to live the life and party. And, you know, so I did. I had a black Jeep Wrangler. I was in Southern California and I like, I was like, okay, I'm going to make my way back to Indiana. That trip took three months. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I just would stop in Durango, Colorado and party for 10 days. Then I'd yeah. go somewhere just where we just ride new people, you know? And so I felt like shit when I got home, man, you know? And the drinking was really bad, and so I was like, all right. I was talking to my sister, and I was like, you know, I've tried to stop before, and it didn't work. And so I was like, I, I do practice. I am about proaction. Believe it. And so like a lot of my training is based on proaction. So yeah, I found a good uh, VA, uh, you know, a thirty-day treatment facility up in northern Indiana. that was for veterans only. You know, you had to be honorably discharged. It was covered. Um,
0: it was a great rehab
3: because you know you're not in there with people that are forced in there or sent by judges. And so it was just a good community of veterans um, trying to get through similar stuff. And so it was, yeah, it got out, it saved my life, changed my life, and it's what got me on my path of sobriety. So um and then got out of that and then was like, all right, now let's try this school thing. Right. I think i am ready now, 25, 24, used my GI Bill, did my undergrad because I thought I wanted to teach and coach uh, health of BE. I wanna teach, you know, health and PE and coach a sport. That's what my plan was. Went to Indiana State. And um, when I was doing my undergrad in health and physical education, I took an elective class my sophomore year on sports psychology, you know? And this was 20 something years ago. I'd never heard of it. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And I yeah. took it, I, I took it. And once I was in there, the first thing was I was fucking pissed. Cause I was like, where was sports psychology when I was back in Bedford, Indiana?
5: Maybe I could have
3: gone on and fulfilled those that talent, those dreams. If somebody was teaching me how to manage my emotions from a performance, I was just like I was pissed off. Right. And then you find out pretty quickly. Well, you know, sports psychologists and sports psychology is not available to the non elite. You know, it's for the D1s, the elites, the pros. And so I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go learn about sports psychology and I'm going to bring it to the Seth Hickerson's of the world. And so that was where I had kind of my first entrepreneurial vision. Um, so then I kind of pivoted off the you know, teaching route and I went to the University of Tennessee um, and uh, did my master's in sports studies, focusing on sports psychology. And so I started getting thrown into the, even when I was in Indiana State, Dr. Ginter, who's a part of My Steady Mind, she was the sports psychology professor that I took the first class in. I did and not so know that. You didn't? Yeah. So no, she's man. like, Yeah, yeah. So that first sports psychology class I took was taught by Dr. Genter. <laughs> yeah. And so she took she took me in an in, in Indiana State. They were uh, uh, trying to get sports. psych kind of rolled out to more teams. And so, Dr. Gidder, I was a non-traditional student, being a veteran, being 24 and kind of knowing how to train already, you know, mentally in the military. You know, I say the military is the, you know, number one training and development organization because we train mentally, physically, technically, proactively all the time. Right. If you haven't served in the military, you've never really been exposed to that kind of training and so i just kind of knew how to commit to training and attack things like training and so uh sports psychology is mental training and so but uh they didn't have anything really established and she's like all right i'm starting this athletic and sport consultancy and you're going to be one of my consultants i was like i've taken a half a semester of sports psychology i'm consultant and she's <laughs> like yep wow and so you know just being a veteran and so we went around and she just took me under her wing she's like all right we're getting ready to go train the volleyball team on visualization. So read up on this and here's what we're going to do. And here's the activities we're going to lead. And I'm trotting across campus and all right, girls, let's, you know, and I'm leading them on visualization tactics. And then we're going to go over here to basketball and we're going to work on breathing techniques, or, you know, and so I just got thrown into it and um, loved it. Um, so went on to Tennessee to do my grad work in that. And then like an idiot or I don't know, a patriot, whatever you want to call it, I was missing the military. So I joined the Air Force. You know, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted in life. You know, I was like, dude, I want
0: to, do? I don't want
3: to go be sport Do I want to miss the military? But I learned if you're going to join any branch, join the Air Force. So I cross-branched into the Air Force and uh, was going to get my commission and go fly after uh, graduate school. So I was drilling at Langley and I was doing the whole Air Force thing and um, loved that. But then after I finished my graduate school, I was, you know, getting ready Plans were to go get um, go to get commissioned and then go fly in the Air Force, but I got offered a really good civilian job uh, at the University of Richmond, Virginia to come oversee and open a big multi-million dollar campus rec center and, and be in charge of fitness and wellness for all faculty and staff. And so I was like, well, I'm 30, you know, do I want to go take this, you know, Air Force pilot job or do I want to go take this civvy job that, you know, pay about the same, but a lot less likely to get killed over here. So I was like, I'll go take the civvy job. Um... So de- deactivated myself in the Air Force. Did the last two years on inactive reserve, um, and went to Richmond. And so I was at the University of Richmond, and I was overseeing fitness and wellness for faculty, staff, and students. I taught there for about eight years. Titled the Men's Health, uh, a bunch of classes for men. Um, you know, I used to teach guys how to feel their balls for prostate cancer and all that. So. Or prostate, yeah. not prostate. <laughs> Hopefully, you're not feeling your uh, Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, you have yeah. To use
3: another,
1: another method <laughs> to check for the prostate. Maybe
3: if you do it at the same time, you might get <laughs> some real good. I don't know.
4: But, uh,
3: uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll let test drive that, John, and you can report out on another. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, fast forwarding so we can talk more about it. Like I was also on a CSCS, which if anybody out there's in the fitness world, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is like the PhD of fitness credentials. It means you can train professional and elite athletes. You have to have that credential. And so, but my big differentiator was always the the mental stuff, right? There's physical training to a dime a dozen, but There's not many people out there that bring mental fitness, cognitive fitness training to the masses. And so that was what I wanted to do. So did my doctorate to fast forward um, at VCU in educational leadership, which is what allowed me to really research educational systems and models and then design a curriculum based on that training approach. So that's the first company I started was called Boost Mental Toughness and Leadership, which was to bring mental fitness and sports psychology training to high schools and colleges that can never afford it or would never be able to access it. I started that five years ago. And so was out there trying to make that happen. Um, But schools were just, it was pretty advanced for schools at that time, you know, talking about mindfulness and breathing and stuff. Um, And they just didn't want to pay for anything. So I was like, well, I'm for profit. So, you know, (laughs) this isn't going to work. So what other models, what other areas can we get into and so over the next three years with Boost we penetrated a bunch of different you know teaching people how to man training people how to manage emotions is something everybody needs to do right especially in our country so we got into a bunch of different markets you know healthcare universities you know you you name it and then when the pandemic hit me and the team said all right we had the kind of first version of the business and it's going good but we know how unsteady and stressed people are gonna be when we Oh, you need me, or was that a shiston? Okay.
2: My <laughs> so, dad's walking in, talking. Just a thanks. Guys, dad guys, that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, please. sorry. Thanks. So, I'm sorry, my So, dad. yeah. <laughs> no worries. Hey, you
3: oh, sh- wouldn't be the first time <laughs> I've had shit. Yeah. Like, shut up. We got to ask the question,
5: dude. I was just like, God.
3: But I'm trying to fast forward through all this shit so we can get the questions in. But so, yeah, I just uh, we shut down during the pandemic as a business and said, let's regroup, refocus, rebuild repackage, repurpose, and launch a brand new, bigger, better version in 2021, when people are coming out of this pandemic, it's gonna be better designed. You know, it's just gonna check the boxes on what we learned on Boost. And so that's what my steady mind is. Um, and we launched that essentially in January. And the two markets we're really trying to work with and get into are, because they needed the most, especially after the pandemic, are healthcare, helping doctors and nurses with emotional burnout, exhaustion, emotional exhaustion and burnout, and then law enforcement, you know, um, just all the stress. And they they lean to us because this is, in the landscape of mental health, there's treatment and there's training. This is training. And um, so it's just, it's been very well received and, you know, grateful to have John on the team, help facilitate it. So that's where we're at. That's what I do. Um, grateful to do it every day. It's the—it's sh- basically my steady mind is the shit that keeps me relatively normal. And if it works for me, then it works for both of you and anybody else that tries it, so.
2: Wow, great. Well, thanks for that uh, that, that awesome history of yourself, but like, yeah. uh, let's come back to that, you know, like let's get dive in and talk about, you know, why is emotional literacy so important? Why getting to know ourselves at, yeah. at the deepest part of our our being is, right. is our emotional life and, and,
4: right. and how that, you know, how
2: that, um, you know, how that translates into the world when we get to know ourselves in a deeper emotional place. Mm-hmm.
3: So the reason, you know, you know, having the doctorate in educational leadership, you, you learn a lot of stuff. You learn some revealing stuff. You learn some fascinating stuff. And I'm always like, well, what do you do with that information? And so um, most of your people may be somewhat familiar with it. But the reason everybody's probably tuning in and trying to figure this stuff out and asking those questions about emotional intelligence, is because nobody in our country has ever been taught it. Right. It's never been a part of our formal education
0: in public okay. school.
3: Our school systems are designed systemically and strategically to eliminate and suppress divergent thinking.
2: Wow. And why is that? So, why, why is divergent? There's, there's no there's, the enemy. Right? I, I, I
3: love this country. I've been in two branches of the military. Right. I still live by the oath to protect and defend every day. And this may sound cheesy. John may get it or not. But, you know, it's designed to perpetuate hypercapitalism. Right. There's no money in healthy, right. independent thinking people. So I love capitalism. This country takes it a little too far. And literally, we've got systems and things in place that are designed to extract as much money out of our citizens from birth to death. And then they die before they can cash anything out. So it's there's some flaws. Right. Right. Um, And all our educational system does. The way you suppress divergent thinking or emotional intelligence is you make everything about IQ, outward facing learning standardized test Mm. a test right that's what's important that's what's going to be cool that's what the big job that's how you make the money and you know iq is important i'm not saying that but eq as most science and research is saying now is the better Mm. indicator of your health happiness and success um Mm. iq is an intelligence quotient that once you turn about 16 or 17 it doesn't move right so if my iq at 17 is 115 there's plenty of people that will sell you shit that says they'll take your IQ up to 150 or whatever, but realistically, it stays about 115. Now, that doesn't mean I can't go on and do amazing things. It just Your IQ just means how easy or hard it is for you to learn something, you know? So I wouldn't say I had the highest IQ, you know, so it was harder for me to learn things. People with a higher IQ, it's just easier to kind of learn more complex stuff. That's all that means, really. Your EQ, your emotional intelligence, how you enhance and develop that is through inward-facing learning. We don't do that in school, right? That's why we say there's no funding for music, art, dance, PE, mental health. That's because that's what stimulates divergent thought. That's what has people reflect inwardly. We don't want that, you know? And so the byproduct of our school system is people with 4.0s in great grades, maybe getting academic scholarships or doing whatever, but the byproduct is called learned helplessness. Wow! When you can't think divergently, you don't know how to take care of yourself. And that's what makes you dependent on a government, a politician and an organization. You know, so once you create that dependency, then you've got to a conditioned to do what you want. Um, and it's just easier to control. Right? right. So and this is the truth. One of the main reasons I do what I do. Right. So when I and John, when we took our oaths to the military. We swore to protect this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. My steady mind is my defense against domestic terrorism, wow. which is, yeah. if you're not going to get this learning in school systems, I'll give it to you over here.
2: Right. Right. Because right.
3: people deserve it.
2: And well, yeah. Uh, well, I think, you know, uh, we, we, we are very, uh, you know, cause I, I've traveled, uh, uh, many different, you know, many different places and like, and, and we talked about being in different cultures and, and how they are with one another, uh, and how they're raised and the system that they work in. And, uh, uh, and, you know, from the macro to the micro to like, you know, the government, to the community, to the family. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was raised in Pennsylvania in this house I'm in right now. And, you know, I've been on to New York, um, know for the last 18 years but like i just you know there's it just our tempers are hot like we're 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 just we're just so easily triggered we're like you know it's just like you know a word or i mean you know so so many different yeah but yeah please it
3: it, it comes back to and i want to kind of continue the point like why everybody especially in our country struggles with so much of that because when i do my my mentorship and really the ultimate thing like the mindfulness and resiliency training that we're doing at my steady minds really to help people understand the one pillar of health that they don't
5: you know mental
3: health and how to train mentally so there's four pillars of health that all human beings get energy from and this is a good thought activity we can do with your audience right if you can go do this with anybody you know i, I asked you to do this because it's very fascinating and alarming so there's four pillars of health where human beings receive energy that's what everything in life is about everything's energetic everything's energy we're we're energy masquerading as humans you know and, and yes. so that's, people in our country don't struggle due to lack of time. We all have the same amount of time. They struggle due to lack of energy, particularly mm-hmm. mental energy. So the four pillars of health where we get our energy are physical health, nutritional health, spiritual health, and mental health. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll ask people is you go up to anybody on the street or say, hey, what comes to mind, just ask anybody, what comes to mind when you hear the word physical health? Just ask them. what do you think they say? exercise, you know, lifting weights, working out. You're like, good, good. You know, if you do those things, you will have good physical energy and you will have good physical health and you'll have good physical energy. If you don't, you won't. Right. I'm not guessing. That's how it works. Right. Yeah. So then the second one, you ask them nutritional health and just see what they say. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say they do say something like intermittent fasting or, you know, keto or fruits or vegetables or whatever. Like, cool. If you do those things, you will have, in a routine manner, you will have good nutritional health and good nutritional energy. If you don't, you won't. Now ask them the third, which is spiritual health. This is where the answers start to get a little fuzzy, right? Yeah, so you'll right. Hear some people say things like God or church or prayer, and those are good answers, right? Religion is a good thing. Well, in some ways, it's under spirituality, but it means basically if you, have, you, know, you believe in a God, you're going to church and you're praying, you're accessing energy. So that's good. You're accessing that source of energy, higher power, right? power, energy source. And so spiritual health gets a little fuzzy when you ask people around our country. Now, when you go up to people and you say, what comes to mind when I say mental health? What do they say? Depression, not your listeners, maybe, but most people. When they hear mental health, first they'll draw a blank, like nothing comes to mind. And then you say, "Just think about it. And then they'll say, well, mental health, uh, depression, suicide, anxiety. That's (laughs) mental illness. That's not mental health. I didn't or ask some you. Some of our, men,
2: you know, some of our how, men will be like, I'm fine. Men will be like, I'm fine. What do you mean, mental health? Fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Right, we'll put right, up like it's a defense right away. Is,
3: yeah. <laughs> and that's because so when you come back to our schools, right? In those four pillars of health, we teach a little bit about physical health. A little bit. Minimal. We teach a little bit about nutritional health. Minimal. How much do we teach about spiritual health? How much do we teach about mental health? Zero. So if you don't know what it is and how to access it from a training perspective, like that's what we're saying. You don't have to be perfect at any of those, right? Like literally, if your viewers are like, What okay, Seth, I heard that, that's great, but you know, I don't have time to do everything. Like our goal and what I try to help people understand is to do what you can every day to just access those pillars.
5: Mm-hmm. You know, and you will have a
3: better day than 95% of the planet or 99% of the planet. Well, so if you're lazy yeah. So that's what, what are some easy things for those? Right. What are the, some of so, the easy
2: ways to access so that? I'll, I'll tell you, this is yeah. a
3: simple yeah. one. This is a simple one everybody can do starting tomorrow or today, right? And so in my steady mind, we're really helping people learn the emotional control routines because the mental health pillar is the one nobody knows about from a training perspective. So that's why that's why we have that, right? Um, but let's say if you wanted somebody to, to tap into it. So tomorrow morning when we all wake up, right, you can just with your eyes open. Let's just say you lay there and take three BAMO breaths. Just take some breaths, deep breaths in bed, right? So now I'm working on kind of my mental health and oxygen in my brain. I'm getting my, you know, I'm not just jumping onto the phone or whatever. So lay there, take two or three BAMO breaths, mental health check. Now down on the next to your bed on your knees and pray. Whoever you pray to. Pray to something. Right. they mean, right? Just pray. Yeah, it could be gratitude, so taking, right? So just so access and so gratitude. Yep. Yep. So now I'm on my knees and I'm checking that I was in bed. I did my breath. I get next to the bed on my knees. I pray. So mental health, spiritual health. Then from your knees, do 10 push-ups. Or five push-ups. Or two push-ups. Whatever you can do on your knees if you need it. Do something for your physical health. All right? Then get up, walk in the kitchen, and drink 20 ounces of water. Nutritional health. That's it. That's how (laughs) – that's – I mean, that's that's how simple it can be, right? And I promise you, everybody listening out there, if they do that three, four, five, six days a week, they're going to start the day better. They're going to feel better. It doesn't mean you're going to have, it's going to solve all your problems, but you're doing something proactively and intentionally in the morning before you jump into the shit of the day. And that separates you from almost everyone. So three BAMO breaths mental health, get on your knees and pray, spiritual health, 10 pushups, physical health, 20 ounces of water, nutritional health. So that's, you know, that's a pretty simple one.
2: Right. And if someone was to stick with that for a couple of weeks, like, you know, what might be, what might be next or what might they, you know, what, the, what might the experience be? You know, cause I like, that's one thing about the show that John and I really try to do with our listeners and our audience is just really getting simple tools like give them something they can do two three five minutes 15 minutes like you're talking about because you know at some point or that a lot of us don't think we have we think we're we have a time deficit all the time you know that's That's, like you talked earlier about time travel right? (laughs) right exactly exactly yeah
3: and that's what when, when people hear, and this is the thing I know, what, you know, why we all resonate, and John and I, because when, yeah. especially when men, when we hear these things like mindfulness and emotional intelligence, you know, there's still a perception that it's soft or that it's, you know, and I'm like, hey, from a performance perspective, it's this is the secret skill set. You know, right. I, I tell a lot of the people because I train a lot of golfers, right? So if anybody out there's a listener that's, you know, likes golf, I'll say go to wherever, buy every golf magazine on the rack, Golf Digest, Golf Weekly, whatever. And they'll have all these golfers in there, right? And they'll show you, here's Ricky Fowler. Here's my equipment. Here's what I eat. Here's my physical training. Here's the mechanics of my swing. They'll break it down seven different ways from sideways because they know that doesn't matter. The thing that separates them is the mental training. And they're not going to vote that in golf. They're not going to tell you what they do. Yeah. That. That's the secret. Yeah. Those are the guys I right. train. Those are the things that they're doing, right? That they're not going to yeah. talk to people because they know that's what separates me. Everybody can hit it 300 yards. Who are the ones I, that
2: go Um, I was talking to my dad last night. Uh, We're watching Wimbledon, you know, um, and I I read this great book. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called, um, oh boy, uh, I'm going to draw a blank here. Uh, It's like, oh, the power of full engagement. Uh, yeah. and, and it goes like how to manage your energy and not your time that makes the biggest difference. And right. so they use, like, they talk about corporate athletes, which you work with, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, we all work with in some ways, but also they talk about professional athletes and they really lean into tennis because the game hasn't changed in hundreds of you know, a couple yeah. hundred years or so. And they say what separates, uh, you know, the top 10 athletes from the top 5,000 athletes in the world, the tennis is literally it's the 10 or 15 seconds between points. Mm-hmm. That they're that they're back in their game. They're finding their feet. They're finding their breath, and they're getting back in the zone to make the next right. serve or to or to take yeah. on the next serve. And it's so that ten seconds in between. It's all right. here, but it's also it's not something that naturally happens. It's something mm-hmm. that they develop over time, right. and the confidence that comes with like doubling down onto mm-hmm. that something so simple, but something so naturally bringing you more presence and calming right. yourself down and getting you into that parasympathetic right. nervous system.
3: And and, you're, and so what I like to help people understand from a sports psychology, right? So again, yeah. what we're talking about from a, you know, the sports psychology was created for golfers. So there of go. all the sports out there, right? Golf is the most mentally demanding because one it's individual. So I don't have teammates that can bail me out. That, any individual sport, tennis, you know, swimming, track and field. Those are the ones that work with the most sports psych people, right? because it's all me, right? But even in tennis, it's individual, but there's a reaction component to it. I have to react to that other individual. Golf is an individual sport. You know, nothing happens until I move. I'm not reacting to somebody else. Like, Mm -hmm. so A, so it's an individual sport. Um, It's over time. So each round is over four hours. There's nothing but time between shots to think as you're going to your next Mm -hmm. shot. And it's over four days. So you have to sleep on things. You have to wake up on things. And there's a shitload of uncontrollables, the weather, the wind, the bad bounce that you don't have control over. So psychologically, golf is the most demanding sport. And that's where sports psychology, which takes elements of CBT and other things, came over to help golfers manage that mindset. And wasn't, so I,
1: go ahead, John. Wasn't um, Phil Mickelson
3: oh, yeah. wasn't Phil. A,
1: a big yeah. meditator? and, and Huge. That really yeah. helped him. What's what's
3: cool now, and you guys are probably seeing this, there's a term in the mindfulness community and some of the stuff, the term's called the shift. So there's this paradigm shift that's happening globally of East meeting West, you Mm -hmm. know, science and it's converging. And so because that's happening now, people that have done these things like celebrities and athletes feel more comfortable saying, oh, yeah, I meditate. They've been doing it for, you know, a lot of them have been doing it for a long time right yeah but now that this shift is coming and this is what i'm so excited to be a part of and what this podcast is that we're the tip of the spear you guys and us the people that are out there talking and doing this of this this mega trend that's going to sweep through the country and make the 60s and 70s look tame
4: this is is the way
3: right (laughs) and and so back to performance what because i want people to understand so my steady mind is the company so the steady mind concept from a sports psych and a performance thing steady mind means flow state or the zone or zen, you know and so when i talk to athletes john's got a book i'm sure back there
4: (laughs) you know know it oh yeah
5: yeah. so so you'll hear people uh, yeah you'll you'll, you'll hear people
3: talk about it right they'll we'll talk about flow may read a book we may watch some stuff but if you don't understand how to train to live in flow state. So when I when I coach athletes, right? Let's say I've got a, a golfer. So it, or if you you know if it, if I'm a, let's say, do any uh do you have any kids that are like you guys have? I know you've got, but yours are young, John. I didn't know if Will you had any like teens or
2: any, no kids. You I know, I don't of. have any children now. <laughs> lots of kids I know of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hear. There, yeah. There's
3: got to be. My dad used to say, "There's got to be, got to be a little Jean Claude Van Hickerson out there something. So, yeah,
4: right. If he's
3: listening, if he's listening, you know. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you where I live, Jean-Claude. But <laughs> so anyway, from an athletic perspective, right? So if an athlete, let's say you have a 20-year-old athlete or a 30-year-old athlete, they play basketball. So if they go play 10 games of basketball, these are so if one of them's not trained mentally, they don't know they're not trained to live in flow state. So the way the brain and the body works is if you go play basketball and you're 15 or 20, two out of 10 of those games, you're gonna be in the zone. That means your brain and your athletic ability sync up. And you're in the zone and it will happen about 20% of the time. And every athlete knows that, right? Like, oh my God, it felt so good. It, slew, you know, it was like I was, I was in the zone I couldn't miss, right? Well, that will happen 20% of the time. When you learn how to train, it happens 80% of the time because you live in the zone. You live in the zone. These high-performing athletes, like the, they, what, the people I train, they're in the zone eating breakfast. They don't have to get in the zone before the game or hope they get in the zone. And so, but that doesn't happen by just magic. You have to treat mental skills training, mental fitness training, like physical fitness training.
5: Mm-hmm. But the
3: good thing is, if people are listening, your brain, because it's a thousand times, a million times more receptive than your bicep, you know, it takes 10 minutes of, of consistent routine a day, as opposed to an hour. You know, if I want to get my arm big, I got to, right. you know, really put in work. I got to go an hour a day, six days a week for two months before I notice a half an inch. Mental skills and cognitive fitness training, when you give it the right stuff and what we've done in my study, mind in the right acquisition, you know, there's certain ways you have to do things before you can do others, but right. the growth is fast. and And coming back to feeling it, you'll feel it quicker. So right. it's, and, and
1: it's I, I had to laugh a little bit there. You said, "If people are listening, like
3: <laughs> Oh no, no, I, you, there's I, the I, I, know, I right. know there's people listening.. I, know there's people. <laughs> I think I meant to say, if your people listening
2: are into whatever I'm saying, it, <laughs> I'm we're, just we're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, we're, we're, we're trying to get into that, and into, well, that's what I love about my steady mind. I was trying to get into that steadiness. We're trying to get into that state of peace. Like I know like a lot of meditation, I mean, and, and stillness, it's like just being still. You know, and that's like, and that's a, that's a, you know, the, the yin to the yang of all this activity and this and that's, and you know, what do we get to that place of stillness, find that peace, find that steadiness. And that's what all these practices are about, you know, really getting to know ourselves on, on a deep level, but just like anything you want to get, be achieved, you want to get, be skillful, you want to have bigger biceps and shoulders. You got to work out. You got to pick up the mindfulness dumbbells and 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 do that 10 minutes of exercise every day and, I, and especially I love how you're talking about in your mind study, my, mind study, mind program is like, it's almost like a, a step-by-step recipe. So it is yeah, number one, two, yeah. three, because tell like we people, can,
3: yeah. yeah. Oh no, I tell people it's, you know, I mean, literally, and I, you know, you probably are familiar with Buddhism on this show, right? Like yeah, my yeah, old yeah. podcast, my old podcast was called the GI Buddha, you know? So there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm Buddhist. I'm not a Buddhist, but I love right. Buddhism because a science is proving that that's, right what they're talking about and buddha was a god not a guide you know it was it's a way of life not a religion and all that good stuff but you know buddha was a teacher his dharma the eightfold path like literally this my nine that's my eightfold path is what my steady mind is it's my yeah. shortcut to secular enlightenment
4: yeah yeah,
3: yeah. so yeah. if if you do these nine steps it will wake you up right, right. and i'm not trying to turn people into monks but I'm trying to keep them to not be monkeys. And so, I mean, literally, that's what yeah, my God. steady mind is. It's my, my Dharma, my, my crack at Dharma, right? right. It's my, it's my eightfold path. Um, we've we've talked about this on the, on
1: the show before. Will and I have, I mean, you know, <clears throat> meditation does not supplant your religion
5: no, or, no. Your, or your
1: spiritual foundation. And that's oh, where, no. that's where like some people get hung up on that. And I know that's not okay. the topic today. Yeah. You know, the topic is mental fitness. But you know, you you did mention that th- this you can be you can even you can even practice Buddhism and yeah. be Christian. Yeah, you can, absolutely. You can practice yeah. you can even yeah. practice meditation.
5: Yeah.
1: And and be yeah. I mean heck, you could be an atheist if you want. Right. That's, that's right. that's that's what I, you know, what that I try to help you. It doesn't supplant.
3: No, no. I mean, and you know, that's a term that people get all worked up around again because spiritual health is not taught in our country. So nobody, when they hear, they don't, you know, and so when I talk to people, right, spirituality just means I have faith in something that ain't me. That's all. Just means I have faith. I have faith that there's something out there that I can get energy and guidance from. Call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it, right? Right. That's your, that's up to you. But with the two things I teach people on meditation from a practicality, a performance, a peace and a happiness thing is first, what you have to understand is now let's say you've identified a higher power, right? Praying is us talking to our higher power.
5: Right. Meditation right.
3: is when we listen to our higher power. Most people yeah. in our country just run around and pray all the time. They never sit still.
5: Yeah. And yeah.
3: let that higher power speak back. So they're missing out on that. It's a two-way conversation. Whoever your higher power is. So yes, meditation just means that, right? It's a communication. Right. Between and you, and I, the
1: higher uh, power. you know I I will add to to that piece Seth is is my I've always said. Prayer is when we talk to our higher power, and then if we have scriptures, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's the Bible as, as a Christian. Right. If we right. have scriptures, that's the, the opportunity for our higher power to speak to us. Right. And then I, I, th- I add meditation to that whole thing, and that meditation allows you to quiet your mind mm-hmm. so that you, one, know what you want yeah. to speak to your higher power about, right. because otherwise your mind's going to be all over the place. And you're not, to, not to, Yeah, it's going to be yeah. unsteady. Exactly. It's gonna be an unsteady mind. And you're not going to know what you want to talk to your higher power about. Right. And right. then two, your mind is going to be unsteady and you're not going to be able to hear what your higher power is saying to you. So well, that's right. what that's what I always say when people say, well, if you're a Christian yeah. and you meditate. I'm like, yeah.
3: How many times is, I mean, and I, you know, like it's the same thing. Like, I don't get out of it. Like, meditation is used in the Bible. Like, Jesus went to meditate. Like, yep. that's what he's doing. He was talking to God. So, right. I mean, you know, it's, but people have different strokes for different folks. I get it. But what I, from a fitness, mental fitness, and cognitive fitness from a brain training, which is what we do at My Steady Mind, this is training, not treatment. You know, I'm going to show you how to condition your brain
5: right. that's
3: deconditioned. And so, The way I kind of talk about meditation from a mental fitness standpoint is, you know, if I want to get big, if my, if my body's deconditioned, I'm out of shape. Right. And I make the decision to say, Hey, I want to go get in shape. What do I, I can't read a book about getting in shape. I can't watch videos. I can't, you know, if I want to get my body in shape, I have to take my ass to the gym and I have to pick up a weight and I have to curl it. Right. Right. And when I start curling it, it fucking sucks. It hurts. I'm like, I'm never going to get this. This is painful. says so, so stupid. Why am I curling this stupid weight? But I'm curling the weight. And when I'm curling the weight, it's breaking down my muscle fibers. It's damaging my muscle fibers. Right. So then when I set the weight down and I go home, that's when the magic happens. That's mm-hmm. the rest of recovery is what allows those neurofibers to regenerate and grow back a little bigger and stronger. Right? So meditation is the same way for your brain. You know, most people in our society wake up and because of the distractions and the thoughts and the unsteady mind, it's literally like your brain is doing reps all day. right? And that's where mental fatigue, decision fatigue, mental exhaustion, burnout is a result of that mind repping. So meditation from a cognitive fitness standpoint is literally putting the weight down. You have to let the brain rest and recover. Just like I tore up those muscle fibers, all that thinking is damaging my neural fibers. Mm -hmm. So if I want my neural fibers, my neural pathways to grow back stronger, healthier, happier, whatever it may be, you got to sit the hell down and take a break intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, right. right? And and so that's meditation. serves a bunch of great utility. I mean, it saved my life. And I used to be the biggest skeptic out there, right? As like you know, I just fortunately got exposed to it, like living in Asia, right? I got kind of thrown into meditation as a way of life. It's not abnormal, right? And so
2: it it also correlates beautifully. Like if we don't sleep, like literally, we'll go crazy, you know. But we are we need we got to give our body time to rest and restore and replenish, right? And that's what that's what meditation is. From instead of all this activity of the mind and all you know, and then everything just streaming and streaming and streaming to just Take a moment and find stillness, right. find that peace, find that steadiness. Our,
3: our brains have not evolved like society and technology has around us. So from a mental no health, I mean, we, could, so we could spend another hour just talking about the true ramifications on mental health as a result of that. Like what it's doing to prefrontal is what it's doing to anxiety, depression. I mean, you can just the research isn't good, right? Because a brain is a brain, yeah. you know, but coming back to ego that we kind of talked about the beginning. People who are not taught, they think minds different, Seth. You don't know. I'm like, your brain is a brain. All right. It's any like, you know, defect or something, but a brain is a brain. I know how it works and I know how to make it work better, you know, Uh, and you, then it's just a matter of, you know, doing it or not doing it. And, um, yeah, so it's a uh, mental you know, fitness. It's, it's mental true. fitness, and everybody,
2: everybody can can could, could benefit from meditate these these mentally mental fitness yeah, techniques that we're talking and, about. Every single one, yeah, every single and, person.
3: And, and what we do at My Steady Mind is John knows right from a fitness perspective. So what My Steady Mind is, the nine modules and everything in it, is literally us throwing the whole gym at you. Everything you can do to learn how to train mentally is in that course. It's the same as if I go to a physical. Like I say. I'm going to go get my body in shape and I join a gym, right? You go to that gym, you walk around, you try out different things and you hate 80% of it. But you find that you find the 20% you like and you just try to do that on a daily basis or a routine manner. Mental training is the same way, but that's what we have to, because people have never been exposed to, you know, meditation is one tool. It's not the only tool, you know, there's breathing right, techniques, right. visualization, mantras, affirmations, yes. you know, biohacking. Like, so we yeah. kind of give all of that to people to just say, try it out. You know, right, and then right. figure out what you like and create your formula, your emotional control routine, which is what steadies your mind in the morning, because this comes back to like the, the resting the brain. Right. Like people think sleep is when I rest. You have to sleep because your brain never goes off. Your brain does not shut off ever. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you sleep, you are trying to let it rest. But we know people struggle with sleeping. Right. And so the skill and the superpowers, how do I rest my brain when I'm awake?
5: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the. You know,
3: how do I rest it when I'm actually trying to be a husband, be a father, be an entrepreneur, be a co-worker, be a citizen? Because yeah. if you don't know how that, to do it, then you're not going to be effective at any of those things.
2: Yeah, that's the so, Jedi mind. You know what I mean? Like, just like, boom, it's like constant, yeah. like, so, it's, you know, it's, so, it's just like the whole life becomes it a meditation and awareness yeah. in a lot of ways. You know, then, of course, like, you know, yeah, and we definitely get jacked up on, you know, on, yeah. on emotional stuff, but it's just like, at least I'm aware when I'm jacked up. Right. You know, instead, instead it, of being just taken a, over. Yeah.
3: So the the word, you know, I say it all the time and John, we use it right. When I try to help people become, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or special ops or golf player or whatever, the thing I try to help people become is unfuckwithable. <laughs>
4: there you go. Yeah. And so what does
3: unfuckwithable mean, right? And I don't care if you're staying home. It doesn't matter. Whoever you are, you want to be able to live your life. Um, being unfuckwithable. But the only way you can become unfuckwithable is you have to master two things. Self-awareness and situational awareness.
5: Boom.
3: You know, and, and yep. once you learn how to master those things, you can step out into anything, right? Screaming kids. Right. or And and it doesn't matter what stress comes your way. You can't yeah, fuck them. You're, yeah,
2: you're, you're centered. centered. Yeah, you're, you're centered. You're centered,
3: right? And that the right. only way that happens is through training. You know, nobody's uh, going to start off this, listen to this uh, uh, podcast and all of a sudden be on with. Well, you got to go do something now.
2: Right, right. Because yeah, exactly. You know? uh, yeah, that's, well, that's the uh,
1: only did, did I spell there it right? Uh, <laughs>
2: it's there in the caption. That looks to good to me. It so, might be hyphenated or something. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that might be a good place to end, John. What
1: do you think? Yeah, right, yes, yeah, Seth. I think we're break. gonna have to have you back for another episode, man. We could talk yeah, all day, no, but sure. yeah, this is a I good know, yeah. a good foundation for mental fitness, right? And yeah, you just, know, just nailed around, it there. You know? My yeah. favorite, my favorite analogy, and we've discussed it in our coaching sessions. There is that that bicep, right? You're working the bicep and the curls, but where does yeah. the magic actually happen? It's when you put that weight down. What is that? Same thing, yeah. same thing with our mind. Where does the magic is happen? It's when we yeah. put our mind. Down, if you will. this—that's
3: yeah, mean, this, that's damaging the neural fibers. Yeah. Right? Then now that they've been damaged and stressed, everything has to be stressed to grow, right? Um, then you set it down, and those neural fibers get bigger, faster, stronger. The brain or the, the myofibers, right? The muscular fibers, the brain fibers are no different than neural fibers. Yeah. And that's the big disconnect. Is everybody on the planet wakes up and they're just shot out of a fucking cannon on their and they're just curling.
1: Yeah, And that's right. horrible. That's right. the worst
3: thing you can do to a human brain. That's
1: how you start the day off: getting shot out of yeah. the cannon. Yeah, just just drinking, picking up the
2: phone, text messages, yeah. social yeah. media. Yeah. Then you're jacking up coffee. And, you know, it's like you're driving it's, road it's, raging all day yeah, long, man.
3: And but then the most because it still happens to me too, right? You know, I mean, I can still fall not into not. that. But yeah. I've got an awareness yeah. now, so now maybe I'm not as fucked up. You know, maybe I unfuck myself at two p.m.
4: <laughs> right. yeah, so exactly, yeah.
3: later on in the day where i'm just like why is fucking everybody driving me crazy Where are my kids pissing me off i'm like well you haven't taken a breath yet dude you just out of bed, and you did. so it happens right but,
1: right you're human beings uh, part of the human, human experience right yeah yeah. Um, yeah all right well seth um, love it love it if you would uh wrap the show up with another grounding practice um, but before okay. that let's uh, let's just ask you real quick where can people find you um and I, I already put your 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 and our organization our, in, the, yes. in the caption my steady mind but mm-hmm. um you know where else can people find you or if they have questions yeah, they,
3: they, can, they can find us um they can find us on the social sites you know we're not big into it yet with new business we're starting to get some stuff out there but there is some content um it's you know my steady mind on facebook there's a facebook page a facebook group uh and then instagram it's my steady minds with an s uh, I think we're going to have a TikTok up fairly soon, so keep oh, your eyes open for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn—you know—I think you can find me on there. Seth Hickerson. I think we might be putting a my Steady Mind LinkedIn uh, business page I out know. there hopefully soon. But yeah, that's a uh, and they can email you know any information they want from me, and then mysteadymind.com, obviously. Right. I, I would like ask everybody that. too if they want John. You may encourage them to take the free assessment. So yeah. on the website, you know, it's something people that's can just kind of see where they. They stand you know
4: yeah that's a great place
1: to start
3: yeah you know and then depending on interest level and stuff maybe we could give them a a 10 minute you know phone call or something just to check in so
1: yeah and that's great about that like a real one-on-one call video call uh, yep. So that's uh that's one yep. thing that I, uh, I love mm-hmm. about you, Seth, is the time that you take to be one-on-one with the people going through the program. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. I don't know how you do it, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I have so. to practice
3: what I have. I have a formula. <laughs> I mean, as I've a single dad with three kids trying to do, so. <laughs> Just, you know, and then my kids have been out of camp for the last two weeks. So believe me, my ass has been full on meditation, training, <laughs> breathing. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I I'll do a grounding. Crowd. I can, We can do it. I love yeah. you too, man. I do. I really love both of you. I love right. anybody right. out there that's trying to help themselves and then, you know, make your mess your message. You know, that's yeah. what I continue to do, man. I just, all that shit I did, mm. I'm alive for some reason. And um, so if I can help others, I will. Do you want me to just, you want to do something leading into another tactic? Yes. Or so, of...
1: Whatever you want to do, man, take it away, wrap yeah. it up. And I'm going to yeah. make, make your mess Your message. Your message.
3: Yeah, your test. Your test. Your test. Your testimony. That's another one. Make you test your testimony, but I kind of like that. Mine was much more of a mess than a test. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so all this stuff we talked about, right? Thoughts, you know, the thoughts and the breath. Those are the things that we're really, really working to gain awareness and tools to manage. Because if you can't manage your thoughts and your breath, then really you're fuck (laughs) withable. Very fuck withable. so knowing most people get up and they're shot out of a cannon so and everything is contingent on thought and every when you understand the way a brain works you understand how powerful every single word is every word matters right so one mindset for a lot of people is this i'm so busy right you ask them that's just just this kind of uh, Or people think it's a badge of honor right i'm so busy i'm so busy i'm so busy Mm -hmm. right well your brain You know, I'm so busy. A, when you meet people that are kind of in mindfulness and stuff, it instantly tells me you're inefficient. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You don't know how to manage your time. When you say, I'm so busy, right? It's just an indicator. Um, But neurologically and physiologically, when you say the word busy, right? You can say it right now. If you say, I'm so busy, you start thinking, I'm so busy. We associate busy with lacking, we associate it as as a threat. So it it flips the the sympathetic engage. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a threatened feeling, vulnerable. So you can flip that and say, I'm busy. So, mm. and so you say, I'm busy. So the parasympathetic, and now it makes you feel more empowered. I see more opportunities. I can handle it. Same with need and want. If I need money, if I need a new job, if I need a girlfriend, if I need, 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 it makes us feel, you can feel it when you say your sympathetic engages because we associate mm. that word with lacking. And so it narrows your lenses. Literally, you can't see opportunities. You feel threatened. If you say, I want more money. I want a new job, I want parasympathetic, and now it makes you feel empowered. So just every word matters. Um, So that's one thing. Just be aware of what you're saying, but uh, back to that. So time traveling is the thing that really most people struggle with that have never been trained, and and this help answers a lot of people's uh, answers why a lot of people feel the way they feel on a daily basis. So what happens is we're sitting here in a present moment, maybe trying to work on something at the job or, you know, trying to be present in this moment doing something, but our brain's which are designed to think. If I start thinking in the future, whether it's an hour from now or a day or a month, and we have a negativity bias, so we're, we skew towards thinking negatively. So I'm sitting here trying to type and all of a sudden I start thinking about, oh man, what if I don't get that thing done at five o'clock? Or what if I you know, miss that thing tomorrow, I'm gonna lose my job as I'm trying to type, right? So I'm not present. I'm traveling in the fewer, I'm traveling forward. And when we travel forward and catastrophize it, it flips, our brain doesn't know I'm threatened by something that I'm making up in three hours. All it knows is I'm threatened right now. So my sympathetic nervous system engages, your brain thinks you've got a literal threat, a snake on your lap, right? So that triggers state um, anxiety. It doesn't necessarily mean you have anxiety. It just means you feel anxious in this state. And that's what most people struggle with because they can't get the time traveling down. And then when I go backwards in my mind and I start saying, I can't believe I didn't do that thing yesterday. I can't believe I said that to that person yesterday. That makes us feel depressed in the moment. Again, it does not necessarily mean you have depression. It just means you feel depressed. So most people out there in our society that have no awareness and no training constantly feel stressed and depressed. They're never present because they constantly feel stressed and depressed because they're time traveling. So one thing we use in sports psychology, a visualization, because everything that that's what I like about what we're doing. We're making mindfulness operationalized, practical, applicable. You know, it's like do this, not just, oh, this is good for you. But if you catch yourself time traveling, which you will, shut your eyes and picture a stop sign. Make it as bold and red as possible or say stop. Or think stop. Just close your eyes and see it. You know, just a big bright ass red stop sign with the white letters on it. You know, some people suck at visualization, you can practice, but the more you practice it, you just you really want to start imprinting that stop sign in your head. You can maybe take a little red stop sign sticker and put it on your laptop, you know, internal and external cues. And so when you have awareness that I'm traveling forward or backwards, maybe take a BAMO breath, you know and then say or think, stop. And then what I'll do is I'll literally, when I catch myself doing it, I'll wiggle my toes in my shoes and I remind myself to be where my feet are. Mm -hmm. And it brings me back to the present moment for a minute, which is maybe all I need to get back into that report or pick the phone back up and make that call or whatever. And so visualization is a big part of what we teach and train and having that stop sign, A, the awareness that you're gonna time travel, and when I time travel forward, it makes me feel anxious. And that's okay. That's normal. And when I time travel backwards, it makes me feel depressed. And that's okay. And normal. But what do I do about it? And if you don't ever do anything about it, that turns into trait anxiety and trait mm-hmm. depression. <clears throat> then you do have, and then you may need medication and stuff like that. Um, so awesome. it's, Yep, get those thoughts and breath under control and you'll be happier and healthier. Right. I promise.
4: Amen, awesome. brother.
1: Yep. So, all right, gentlemen. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate yep. it. It's been it's been Thank a blast, and definitely, I think we'll have you back on some point down the, down the line. Oh
3: yeah, we can talk about all kinds of you know manifestation <laughs> and self fulfilling prophecy and subconscious yeah. self sabotage, whatever you want.
2: Efficacy for sure, man. For yeah, sure, yeah. Man. We got a new right. we got a new ally for the show, John, new expert, new ally. <laughs> you know, we're developing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you like know kind of a night. Nice, lo- I, mean,
3: I, I do. I love you guys. I consider you friends. Looking forward to doing. Same, the same, man. You know, same. because I mean, this is to be excited to work with people that are out there. You know not just talking about it but being about it
2: yeah oh yeah well, right. we have a bright that's future right. a bright future yeah. and, uh, yeah. and i'm glad we are together glad three good men with yeah. you know that with all sorts of tattered pasts you know oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, i'm right right i mean seriously you know um, yeah, dude. you know I was, I was a bit of a fuck up you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, the universe, the
3: universe I, I mean the universe works in mysterious ways right i truly believe that Oh, yeah. completely.
5: If, if, completely if you're
3: trying and you're putting in the effort you'll you know we're still going to fuck up do dumb things but You just keep trying and you're, you know, because it's what you radiate. And it's just the universe, you know, the law of attraction starts to bring the right people in places. And so I, you know, who knows where we'll take this, but I think we're, we're doing everything that we need to be doing right now. So
1: there you go, brother. There you go. Well, Will, you want to bring us, uh, bring us to a,
2: bring us to a close brother yeah absolutely uh well thank you dr seth hickerson thank Doctor you so seth much hickerson. for my yes i never actually <laughs>
3: got saluted john actually got saluted i was always doing the saluting so
2: i think i
1: got i got i think i got the the this salute yeah. several times. Oh, <laughs> <go>. <laughs>
3: yeah. I know I gave that to a few officers of my days.
2: <laughs> the middle finger salute for all the visual, oh, yeah, all for visual the listeners. listeners. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, but yeah, this is that uh, Dr. Seth Hickerson from mysteadymind.com. Go check him out. Everybody that's listening, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you again also for sharing this with your community out there and, and growing and helping us grow our, men talk, our men Talking Mindfulness community. Um, you know, you can check us out on mentalkingmindfulness.com or on all of our social media. At everything is at um, uh, mentalkingmindfulness. Uh, and uh, I just appreciate having some great human beings coming together and all the great human beings that are out there listening and spreading the good word of, of mindfulness. And uh, uh, I think that's really it, John. Are we good? All right, gents. That's it. Yeah. Have a great weekend,
1: guys. Seth, hang out for a second after the uh, the closure and we'll talk. And uh, that's that. That's a wrap. Thanks, all.
0: Sounds good. Peace. Thanks. Thanks for joining Will and John on Men Talking Mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share it with your friends and family. And please, we would appreciate a review too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.